0: may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord my strength and my redeemer that's always been encouraging scripture to me the apostles, the foundation the great men of God are arguing among themselves who it might be that would betray Jesus and at some point I can only imagine it went like this one of them said no actually I'm not going to betray him, I'm going to be the greatest of all you guys, then they began to argue with each other about who's going to be the greatest so such spiritual giants. The book of Lamentations is a weird book. Livy used to tell me a lot because you know, Olivia loved counseling people and the more troubled they were the more she liked it. And she used to say that God had strange friends. And he also has strange books, too, and Lamentations is one of those, kind of like Job. But the issue of Lamentations is about the fact that Israel and Jerusalem had been taken captive, so they were not in a very good place. This is, um, read just a couple of verses from chapter one. Uh, let's see, beginning in verse six. Make sure I get the right place. And all her majesty has departed from the daughter of Zion. Her princes have become like bucks. They have found no pasture, and they have fled without strength. But the pursuer, before the pursuer, in the days of her affliction and homelessness, Jerusalem remembers all of her precious things that were from the days of old, when her people fell into the hand of the adversary. And no one helped her. The adversary saw her. They mocked her. And they mocked her in her ruin. Jerusalem sinned greatly, therefore she has become an unclean thing. All who honored her now despise her, because they have seen her nakedness. Even she herself groans and turns away, and she does not consider her future. In verse 7, <clears throat> it talks about how Jerusalem remembered all of her precious things that were from the days of old. And then verse 8, says that she... Um, or verse 9, she no longer considered her future. When a Christian comes to a place where their memories are more powerful than their dreams, then they know that they've fallen into captivity. They're no longer pressing forward. I see that happen a lot. I see it happen a lot with leaders. I see it happen a lot with men as they get older, is that their memories become more powerful than their dreams. And when that happens, you get, when you're in captivity, you no longer are daring. You're restricted. And I find that people stop taking risks, stop being daring when their memories have become more powerful than their dreams. And that's a real tragedy. One of the things that I've purposed in my heart a long time ago, kind of watching that reality, was that as I got older, I've asked the Holy Spirit to not let that happen to me. I've got memories. But I want my dreams to always be more powerful than my memories. Because then I'll risk and I'll press on and I'll take chances and I'll be daring in the Lord. This is really familiar passage of Scripture from Philippians chapter 3. This is Paul's heart. He says in um, verse 7, Philippians 3, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things, and count them but barnyard manure, in order that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him experientially and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Let me read from the um, Amplified Bible, verse 11. That if possible, in order that I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while still in the body. So he's talking about accelerated Christ-likeness, Accelerate, advanced stages of being a new creation. Not that I've already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God that's in Christ Jesus. I love the way the King James says is that I apprehend that for which I've been apprehended. And the language here is like pressing on and moving forward and reaching forth. This is Paul dreaming. Now he's in a Roman, under Roman house arrest when he writes this. So he's totally restricted physically. He never gets out. He dies. But he's still dreaming big dreams spiritually. That he would lay hold of that for which he was laid hold of. He would apprehend that for which he was apprehended, which is to be, go as far as he can go in Christ-likeness, in manifesting, being the new creation, and having impact as he possibly can. And of course he did. Though he didn't leave the house arrest, he led so many people to Christ. Well, he was in that Philippian jail of sorts. He was in prison. And uh, he talks about the fact in Philippians earlier that it was there as the Praetorian guard, the guard of Caesar's household or the ones that, that guarded him, he would lead them to Jesus. Then go back and lead senators to Christ, the important people in Caesar's household. And it really birthed a revival among the secular people who came to Christ because Paul was in under house arrest because he was un, in chains is the word he uses. It had been easy for Paul. So much had been done. So much had been accomplished. There were so many memories to just know he's going to face the end. So let's just dwell in the memories. Um, but Paul's dreams were more powerful. And so he kept pressing on and God kept doing stuff. As I mentioned, one of the privileges I have is that as a bishop and then as an archbishop is ministering to clergy. And even bishops or having a role in their lives at some level. This is a scripture that's always um, two of these that mean a lot to me. That I speak a lot when I talk to the men this is from Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse um, 16. Therefore, I do not lose heart. Though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. And that's where the dreams come from. And one of the, I think when you live in a culture, the enemy uses good things and subtle things to ensnare us, to bring us into captivity. So we hear words a lot about retirement, my retirement plan, and my retirement. You know the deal. I'm looking forward to retirement. And when I never ever find that word in Scripture ever. I mean, even if you reach a place where you don't do the vocation that you used to do, you don't get to retire spiritually, or you should never want to. And even though your outer man may be decaying, and there seems to be things like that there are things like you can't do, your inner man's being renewed. So you're dreaming about doing more things and bigger things than you've ever done before. That's the normal disposition of a Christian. And this one, this prophecy fulfilled from Joel. Joel's a book about revival. We did that on Wednesday nights here, whenever pre-pandemic was. I don't remember those days anymore. We talked about revival, and Joel talks about the great and terrible day of the Lord. And there's just like this thing that God's going to do, this great day of the Lord. It's actually with the coming of Christ uh, when he, um, uh, uh, his first advent, the, re- the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And we're still living in that time. And <clears throat> that's a great day of the Lord, but a terrible day for the enemy. And we live in that time now, but we act like often that it's a terrible day for Christians because of the enemy. And we're waiting for something to happen. We live in a season where God has said, it's the terrible time for the enemy. And it's a great day of the Lord. And it's time that Christians begin to dream dreams about advancing, personally advancing the kingdom because the enemy knows it's a terrible time for him. But this is what it says. It's always, as I've gotten older, it says, and I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men will see vision. I love this. And your old men will dream dreams. So I know this is talking about men, but I would just say in general I so look forward to what years I have left on this side because the dreams have not diminished, the dreams are bigger. I have memories. But I kind of forget those things which lie behind because the dreams have to be bigger than the memories or I'm frozen. I'll never advance anymore. I'm stuck. I'm held captive. And I'm not going to let that happen. Because there's always more. This is who God is. And so we sh- our dreams, our spiritual dreams should always be evolving and at every evolution they should be bigger. Your dreams should be bigger today than they were yesterday. They should be bigger this year than they were last year. They should be bigger next year than this year. And Paul's example is, no matter what might be going on in your life, that you feel is restricting you, whether you're young and you have kids and all that goes with that, or you're getting older and you can't move as fast as you used to, the dreams should get bigger. God's not restricted by any of that stuff. So, if you find that um, our God's a God of hope, it says in Romans. But if you find that you've kind of, your hopes become diminished and that your memories are bigger than your dreams, then that's a sure sign that you've fallen into captivity. And the first step of getting out of captivity is realizing that you're in captivity so that you can start forgetting that which is lying behind and start dreaming once again and like Paul, Though in prison, though chained to a Roman soldier, said so he's reaching forward, he's stretching out, he's pressing on for the goal of the prize. And um, God's looking for dreamers. Years ago, many years ago, there was this thing that was being taught. I, I think Dudley Hall. Some of them were teaching it first. And God had nicknames for you, and there was a biblical place from. Um, the book of Revelation, where they gave that example. And so I remember thinking, that's really cool. So, like, Lord, what's my, what's my pet name to you? And I got my feelings hurt so bad, and God said, dreamer. I thought, that's a dreamer. It's like somebody just sits around and doesn't do anything. I just daydream all the time. And I said, but then he encouraged me and said, no, because you have childlike, you dream about big things, and you won't let anybody reign on that parade. And I put that in you. You've embraced that, no matter what it's cost you. Because there have been times in my life, my walk with the Lord, in places of leadership where I've been mocked and said to be foolish, that I needed to calm down, settle down. Um, But I'm not going to shuffle my feet into the kingdom. And none of us should. Because if we're called to dream, then God must intend... To fulfill those dreams, because they come from Him, Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen.